The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. All right, so this week on The Weekend Show, we were going to talk about a different kind of entertainment, the other word book, the books that only have words in them. Uh, so Matthew and Rodrigo, are you guys regular readers of of books? I'm really not. Why not? What you? Why not, Rodrigo? I don't know. Uh, a book that doesn't have any funny type pictures on it is it's just kind of a big mental investment for me. Now, there's some books that I've read that I've loved, but there's also some books that I've read two chapters of and hated, and it always seems. Like, I've spent so much more time and effort on that than I wanted to. Mm. What about you, Matthew? I do. Uh, what I find in my dotage is that I tend to reread <laughs> the couple of hundred books that I already own over and over and over. Yeah. What are some of the books that, that you read over and over? Um, I have all of Stephen King's short stories. I don't necessarily oh, yeah. care for his novel-length stuff, Yeah, but Nightmares and Dreamscapes, uh, Skeleton Crew, all of those are wonderful. The Bachman books? I have the, yeah, the Bachman books is wonderful, because the Bachman books has The Long Walk, yeah. which is the Stand greatest thing me. Stephen King ever committed to paper. Yeah. It's called, it's called The Body, and that's part of different seasons. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm just saying. Okay, no, that's right. But yeah, right. I, have, I have a number of things that I'll read over and over, and I have a whole bunch of splatterpunk porno books from the 90s that I picked <laughs> up that I just... I, I, they're trash, but I love them, partly because they're trash. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one called The Cleanup. Best book ever, because it's basically Spider-Man. This kid gets superpowers, mm -hmm. but then by getting superpowers, he goes completely... Like wall banger, bug fuck crazy, and then we have to deal with the consequences of that. Mm, okay. Um, there's another one that I really, really, really enjoy. I, I do have the Harry Potter novels, although they belong to my wife. Um, a few years ago, I was reading those? all of the Janet Ivanovich, Stephanie Plum books. I didn't hate Harry Potter. I tend to read Harry Potter more, more as annotation. I see the movie. Mm, I see. Then I read the book and I see the parts that were left out, and I go. I can see why they edited that. Okay. Hmm. Rodrigo, uh, I guess it's a little hard for you to say. Can you, f beyond just the fact that there are no pictures, is it, and because you might end up with a book that you don't like, is there anything else preventing you from reading books? Yes. Which is my uh, my raging dyslexia. No, I was actually I, <laughs> I was waiting was, for you to uh, come out and say I can't read. Okay, damn I, I never learned to read. <laughs> I learned it by watching you. Um, <laughs> no, there there isn't, and I'm slowly because I honestly keep forgetting getting through um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, for example, which you which you let me borrow. Oh, is that where all my freaking uh, books are going? Matthew's you got let my me books. Borrow Rodrigo's got my book. books. Brian's got my books. I'll give it back uh, to you. Oh no, no, I no! I just no, no, no. When uh, go ahead and finish reading them. Whenever you get around to them, I just uh, I was going through the I shelf the other it. day. And I was like, "There's something missing here," and I just couldn't put my finger on it until you said, "If you'd never said anything, all of my all of uh, you could have kept them forever, and I never would have known." No, nah, I'll give it back to you eventually. But um, 
there okay i'll i'll tell you one thing when i do find a book that i like uh-huh um it's it's usually a pretty transformative experience i have all four volumes of the thousand and one nights oh okay. and they are spectacular mm-hmm. you can see aspects of the thousand and one nights in the game that i'm running right now mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. they once i started reading them they've changed the way i think they've changed the way i write they change the way that i think of storytelling how so um in the Thousand and One Nights, the Thousand and One Nights is a, a, a story that has all these little tiny stories within it. Right. Um, within it, uh, stories are used as um, to attack people, to distract people. They're sometimes even used as capital. They're used as as pavement for services rendered. Mm. You know, I mean, there are characters in the Thousand and One Nights. Who, you know, the, uh, at one point or another gets some food, doesn't have any money to pay for it. So he uses a story as payment. Uh, it's, um, it's, it's an amazing treatment of stories. And the funny thing is, is that when people rediscovered it, you know, way, 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 way the crap back in the day, it became the way that people wrote stories. And then eventually, um, people started moving away from it. Mm-hmm. So we're in like this, uh, hundred like 200 year like what i want to say like blue shift is it a red shift if we're moving away um blue shift away towards blue shift away right we're in this blue shift away from the thousand and one nights um which is kind of why going back and reading them is, is amazingly refreshing is because people don't tell stories you know books don't tell stories like this anymore mm-hmm uh, you've Neil also, Gaiman does. <laughs> have you read any I Neil Gaiman stuff? Read, I have not. My, I guess my problem. Have you with, read uh, Coraline? No. Oh, Haven't seen that. the seen the movie that it was based on either. So I, I guess my problem with reading books is I end up getting so, you know, the books that I end up reading are technical books, are manual books, are nonfiction books, are industry related books. And so I rarely have time to just sit down and read a book for enjoyment uh, that has nothing Steven to do with anything. Learn. What's that? What's that? Steven wants to learn. No, it's not that I need to learn. A lot of it has to do with, yes, I do want to learn, but some of it also has to do with that I need it for my job so that I can I can teach or I can communicate or talk about this. Steven I, wants to communicate. And then I get so wrapped up in you know, the website and reading the comic books and the other websites that I run that by the end of the day, I don't have time to read, read books for me. Now, of course I read books to my son and I could quote uh, good night moon chapter and verse. And I could tell you everything that happens in uh, Elmo learns to potty. Um, but really I really only one thing happens in Elmo learns to potty. <laughs> yeah, I, I... But so I rarely get a chance to sit down and read a book like I did this month with Soon I Will Be Invincible and next month's book, which will be the the Chinatown Death Cloud, Chinatown Death Cloud Peril is what next month's book will be or February's book will be. Uh, I think the last time before Soon I Will Be Invincible, the last book book that I sat down to read was the last Harry Potter book when it came out. And that's been it. I, I just don't have time. So I'm making it a point this this year. To try to, I buy books. Uh, I'm trying to uh, make a point to get through these. Matthew, are there titles and and um, subject matters that you avoid in your 
in your reading of, of book books? Uh, to some degree, yes. I have a problem with this is going to sound incredibly condescending, what with me belonging to a niche market the what? way that I do. I don't think comics are a niche market. What? I have a problem. Shut up. <laughs> They're a niche market. And you're a technophiliac. And I think that's what you like to sleep with dead machines or something. I like to sleep with the number 10. There you go. Triskaidekaphiliac. Yes. <laughs> Going with your... Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a good name for a band. <laughs> Have you heard my new band, the Trifling Heifers? <laughs> anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I have a problem with the kind of niche, proto gothy, magicy kind of. Oh, look at us—we're all immortal and have these these glow-in-the-dark funny hats. And there was a lot of it that came out after Harry Potter kind of exploded. Right, right. There's a lot of kind of, look at us, and uh, it, uh, I, I'm going to get dirty looks for this from across the board. Okay. I cannot stand Anne McCaffrey. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm getting the finger from across the room. Um, Anne Rice cannot stand the interview with the vampire. Ooh, you're a vampire. Ooh. <laughs> Have you read and that I, all the way through? Did you read I, it all the way through, or did you oh, yeah. get partway through and say, yeah, oh, I read screw this stuff? I read a lot of it. Um, I used to just go and read stuff. I'd go to the library, and I would read stuff. And then I had a kid and three jobs and a wife, and you know, it just it comes to the point where I read stuff because I want to and not because it's culturally significant. Right. I think, what is that? The Twilight novels are my my nieces and all of the family and the next door neighbor and the wife and they're like, oh, we want to read this Twilight thing, and I'm like, dear God, why? You're not a part of any book club or anything, though, right? Used to be a part of the science fiction book club when I was a teenager, and I got some great novels out of that. Oh no, I meant more um, like uh, a group of your friends read a book in the month, and then you sit down and and talk talk about it. Closest thing I've ever done to that is the podcast where we review the trade paperbacks. Okay. All right. Cool. Rodrigo, have you done anything like that before? Um, no, Rodrigo no, no. has actually had sex with a girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my friend Charlie no, belongs really. to one of those kind of book clubs, and it's just it, it's it sounds fascinating but weird at the same time because he tells me some of the books that he has no interest of reading, yet he has to read in order to be part of this book club. See that's See. and that's exactly what what gets to me. I mean, when I was in college, we there was this huge list of books that we needed to read for any given class. And you know, we had a lot of I had a lot of distribution requirements and stuff that I had to do. Right. And some of them I'm like, hmm, Sherlock Holmes, interesting. Hmm, the Maltese Falcon, interesting. Other books, less interesting. I'll look it up online. Mm, okay. Yeah. I was gonna ask you about I the have Maltese a problem Falcon. With I love the Maltese Falcon. See, I have a problem with anything being an expectation. Oh, okay. When people are like, oh, you have to have read this. You have to have read You know what? I like Lord of the Flies. I like 1984. I like uh, The Catcher in the Rye. Mm -hmm. But just because somebody says you have to read it, this is culturally significant, doesn't mean that I care. You know, there are books that people have said you have to read this. They're culturally significant. And my brain has just gone... B B B B B B B 
<laughs> I couldn't get through, could not get through The Hobbit, could not get through. Well, I, my problem, my error was starting with the Silmarillion. Oh, Silmarillion. Couldn't get yeah. through Tolkien. Yeah, couldn't get through Tolkien. Um, could not get through Treasure Island. Yeah, I never could. Got get about that halfway either. through Ivanhoe, you know, and I'm like, Ivanhoe, I've a whole <laughs> bunch of hoes. But I was gonna say when that expe- especially when that expectation is great expectations. <laughs> you know that I like. <laughs> I like there, that too, actually. There's a lot of Dickens that I had to read that I was just like, you know, I really liked that Dickens stuff. And oh, strangely enough, I find myself enjoying Shakespeare, especially when Shakespeare is uh, portrayed in a modern light. Right. Baz Luhrmann's Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah, it's one of the one of the most amazing films for me because they are chapter and verse saying Shakespeare. Yeah, and the visual production is totally provides. Different. Yeah, but it gives you that modern take. They're saying low and Dalton mm-hmm. why 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 for Arthur Romeo, but you know the guy's pulling a gun and driving away in his '66 Chevy. Yep, the imagery combined with the story make it a different thing, and I think that's my problem with books. Okay, books are wonderful in that. The book is about your brain, your interpretation. Let's say it's something that I came to from a Harry Potter book from seeing a movie. Mm-hmm. I cannot read Harry Potter without seeing Daniel Radcliffe now. Mm. So had I, let's say I read Harry Potter first, and I didn't picture Daniel Radcliffe. I pictured a young Bob Denver. <laughs> That's my Harry Potter. Young Bob Denver. <laughs> Maynard G. Krebs with a scar on his head walking around. And, you know, uh, Ralph Malf was uh, Ron Weasley. I could see that very easily, yes. Okay, so that's my that's my interpretation and my picturing. And then this movie comes out and ruins it. Yeah. You know, it's like Opus the Penguin talking about when he was a, when he was a young penguin. He used to love the song Yesterday, and he used to picture majestic dolphins leaping in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And he saw a music video for it where they were blowing up naked girls, and now all he can see is naked, exploding porpoises. <laughs> <laughs> There's that moment where it, certain books I don't want to read because I'm familiar with them from other mediums, mm-hmm. media, and certain books I just I don't want to read, and I don't feel obligated to read things, even when people seem to feel obligated to tell me to read things. So, I mean... Books is books is good and reading is fundamental, yo. But and I, I say this as a man with shelves and shelves and shelves of just plain old books in yeah. the house. Yeah. Oh, there's a point where reading for pleasure is easier in smaller doses. That's mm-hmm. why I love don't care so much for it at a thousand pages, but I love the mist at, you know, a hundred and twenty. I don't necessarily care so much for something, you know, endless but the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i have in four different formats yeah so do i i have i have the, the complete trilogy i have the more than complete trilogy i have all the books in hardback i have all the books in softback i have the radio so plays many, yeah i have so many copies of these things that i love lunchbox <laughs> yeah the lunchbox was good well but you know, I'm going to give a complete review of um, Soon I'll Be Re- Invincible after we take this, this break here in a moment. But, I, you know, it's an interesting read, but I don't think either of you would like it because it contains all of the tropes and all of the expectations that you would see in a normal superhero comic book. And have you read Superfolk? No, I have not. You were telling me about that earlier. Uh, I will evening. join in on your cute little Oprah book club if somewhere along the line we chuck in sure. Superfolks. Sure. 
And I will see if I can get you guys a copy of Super Folks because okay. it is truly, truly, truly outrageous. Whoa, oh, oh, gem. Have you read? Uh, right, let me tell you. Have you read Maltese Falcon, Matthew? Maltese isn't Sam. Spade. That's the one voice. No, he's the one voiced by Gary Owens with the robot dog sidekick. <laughs> the Maltese Falcon and Dynamut. Uh, no. No, that's Falcon oh. Seven. Oh my bad. No, wait, the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, he's the one, uh, Captain America sidekick from the 70s. No. <laughs> Who's the black super guy with All a right. great big falcon and blood in this, his eye? This month, if you get a chance, oh, if yeah. you can, pick up the China Cloud Death, Chinatown Death Cloud Peril. Uh, it's got some, I've already started reading it. Say it. How are you going to read it? It's the first couple of chapters, and it's all about, it's a pulpy story that takes place during the time when pulp books were becoming very popular and it does feature if i remember correctly <laughs> heinlein it does feature um uh the guy who wrote doc savage in the shadow and if i'm not mistaken it also includes a cameo from um uh geez what's his name uh robert howard in there as well right. as them as themselves. lester lester dent lester dent that's who i was them. thinking it, yeah uh, yeah, me, big Doc um, Savage fan, I should know that. So that's, the, that's in February, and then in March I would say let's try to do Maltese Falcon. But aren't all books pulp stories, what with being printed on the whole paper? Well, yes, but... <laughs> made, of, made of pulp. Yes. All right, gentlemen. All right, gentlemen. These are the jokes, folks. All right, gentlemen, we're going to take a break and come back, and I'll give you my thoughts, and we'll talk about some listener comments about uh, soon I will be invincible, and so Matthew and Roger go. <laughs> We will talk with you two on Tuesday. Bye. How to get a major spoilers shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the make a donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax. And hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. And we're back. So, I decided to try something a little different this month in an attempt to clear my ever growing pile of prose books that I've been stacking up beside my bed and the reading chair for the last couple of years. One of the books I've had my eyes on for a while and that I've been reading on and off since I first purchased it back in 2007 has been Soon I Will Be Invincible by Austin Grossman. Now, as I mentioned, the book was released in June 2007 by Pantheon Books. And what Grossman does is he takes a different approach to uh, storytelling in this novel by alternating the narrative from the point of view of Dr. Impossible, who's the villain of the story, and Fatal, who's a cyborg that's been called upon to join the champions, which is your typical superhero team with uh, all the pastiche of every superhero team that we've ever seen in comic books today. The plot of the story, it's, again, nothing that we haven't seen before. The plot centers around the apparent death of the world's greatest superhero by the name of Corefire. Now, everyone suspects Dr. Impossible because the two have been at each other's throats for years. And what makes this story slightly different is we see the events of the story unfold from Dr. Impossible's eyes and we learn the history between the two. In fact, uh, throughout the story, we jump back and forth through time as Dr. Impossible's history is revealed from his very early days as a smart child and his understanding and awareness that he was better than other people to the mishap in college with his college quote-unquote friend or rival 
that ended up creating Core Fire. Uh, the early attempts of him being evil from his first bank jobs and his attempts on being uh, building some street cred by becoming a fighter in uh, like Australia and Singapore and some other places like that. And then finally, how Dr. Impossible became one of the most important villains uh, in the world. So with Corefire out of the way, Dr. Impossible escapes from prison and he starts a brand new plan to take over the world, just like every villain would do. It's actually really quite interesting in that bits of writing by Grossman as we see Dr. Impossible starting from nothing and building his power back up step by step or building his doomsday device uh, back up step by step. We get to see his inner workings of his mind and it really is a, a fun treat and I really like how Dr. Impossible attempts to justify every action that he does even though he's fully aware that his plans are constantly being thwarted by the heroes and that he's still more than willing to Give it another go. He even goes so far as to state that he could cure disease and, and become a very rich man if he wanted to by selling his knowledge and technology to the world. But instead, we really discover, and this is the key point of, the, of this particular character, instead we discover that the one thing that drives Dr. Impossible the most is the fact that he was, re- uh, was ignored and rejected as a young man and every attempt to make a connection with his childhood crush, Erica Lowenstein, has been dashed by... The Corefire character, both before he became Corefire and then afterwards, as she became essentially a Lois Lane type character. But there's a twist to her to her role as well. I think that it's interesting that it's this rejected nerd in the basement syndrome that creates the antagonist for everyone else. It's this desire to be re, to to be uh, recognized for his talents that's at the core of his drive, and maybe even the drive of many people out there who decide to turn to the dark side. Now, this storytelling technique of looking at it from the villain's point of view also works for the hero in the story Fatal. Uh, We get to see and experience everything that the heroes are seeing and experiencing through her point of view. And as one of the newest members of the team, we learn about the champion's history, and that does include both their public and private affairs of the team. We learn the backstory of each of the members of the core team. And we also see Fatal going through the normal emotional range of being a member of the greatest team as she wonders if she is capable of doing that and then finally showing that she has the ability to be one of the better members of the team in the, in the final big fight. But I guess I see Fatal as probably the weakest link in the entire story. She's there simply to convey the hero side of the story to the reader. And yes, she does have some emotional bits, and we do discover that uh, there are some interesting plot points, namely that Dr. Impossible created the technology that made her, or that didn't make her the cyborg, but that made her becoming a cyborg possible. But really, for the most part, Fatal's character is, is just there. And I realize she's a strong hero, and she's an interesting hero, and I like how she's trying to cope with her new powers as... You know, she's essentially states that she's 500 pounds because of all the technology in her. And we learn about her computer brain and how her body has been twisted and malformed into the shape it was today. It's it's she's an interesting character, but ultimately one that I think is just there. And while this back and forth technique between Fatal and Dr. Impossible and their points of view is an interesting one, and it essentially goes chapter by chapter that way. And it's also interesting that we learn the backstory of every character. Ultimately, I think it's a hindrance to the central story of Dr. Impossible escaping from jail, starting his new plot, 
to take over the world, and then ultimately being thwarted. You know, if this were a comic book story, the present-day story would encompass maybe two or three issues tops. But here, Grossman takes a story that's pretty straightforward and kind of convolutes it with all the time-shifting history lesson after history lesson that we, we have to read. There are literally pages in the book that I had to read, or I should say that I read, and then had to go back and reread as I tried to figure out if this moment of storytelling is taking place in the past, is it taking place in the present, is it taking place in the past and we're seeing a flashback to even further in the past. So it's kind of messy at that point. On the other hand, the final reveal at the end of the book wouldn't be as funny or even possible without the chronicling of the past. So it is important that we do have this history lesson, but it does make it kind of challenging to read at times. For a single book, I do think that the characters are fully developed. And for the regular reader, this is some new and fresh material that they probably haven't read before. For the comic book fan, I think most will grow weary of the constant connections to heroes that we're all aware of before. Corefire is Superman, Black Wolf is Batman, Damsel is Wonder Woman, and so on. And while there is a major surprise revealed in the final act, the story ends like one would expect it. The heroes win, the villain goes back to jail waiting for his next moment to us to strike. Ultimately, Soon I Will Be Invincible is a solid book. It has some very good moments in it, but they're moments we've all seen before. It's a fun read, and if you do get the chance, you might enjoy it more in audiobook format, as there are some great voice actors there as well. Soon I Will Be Invincible does bring enjoyment, Overall, I think this book is deserving of a checkout from the library rating instead of going out and buying it to add to your collection. Well, that's my review of Soon I Will Be Invincible. Something different that, we're trying to, that I'm trying to do and that I thought I'd bring to you, and certainly the many of you uh, took a call to arms when I suggested we read this book this month. In fact, uh, Gibraltar said, It's such a good book. I loved it very much. Uh, that's one reader's comment. James Deckert said, I faithfully began reading this book at the beginning of the month. It was very interesting. It reminded me of an Alan Moore style prose, very intricate with loads of development uh, for the characters. However, I lost interest as I couldn't find a discernible plot and the story didn't seem to be progressing, only made it to page 62. I'm hoping that the next book will hold out better. And I would agree with you. And, and James, one thing I would say, and this is the reason why I had to keep stopping and restarting the book for the last couple of years is because of this very uh, nature. But when I forced myself to plow through the entire book, by the time you get into the final act, the third act, where everything comes together, then you're like, ah, now everything clicks. Now I understand why Grossman did this throughout the entire series, and it becomes a little bit more enjoyable. Ocularis says, it was hard to follow in a couple of spots, but once I slowed down a little, I found it quite enjoyable. I really like the ending. Yusaka Zero, Yusagi Zero, that's probably what it is. Yusagi Zero says the plot itself was kind of forgettable, but I love the look into the minds of the characters in the book. Not the most original idea, but the way it was presented, the villain and the heroes I really enjoyed, and something a book does well. Greg A. said, I read it a couple of years back and remember liking it. It wasn't anything groundbreaking, at least to someone who has been reading comic books for over 30 years, but still entertaining. I'm surprised it hasn't been optioned for a movie, and I should point out that, uh, Greg, it has actually been optioned for a movie. Grossman did point it out that the movie uh, the, the movie rights were picked up in 2007, and it's still in development, uh, but the research that I was doing prior to recording this didn't show any further progress beyond the fact that it was picked up for an option. Um, then Ryan Tate says, I enjoyed this book quite a bit. 
The evil bastard perspective and the rookie hero meanderings were surprisingly realistic when you consider that you're reading fantasy. And I would agree with you there, uh, Ryan Tate. Uh, I thought of it as a sort of authority ultimate's modern hero tone mixed with a nefarious scientific mind. You'll enjoy this book if you appreciate modern storytelling in the Capes comic books. And yeah, I think you're probably right there. I mean, there are some enjoyable moments. I mean, there is a passage at the uh, beginning of the book when we are introduced to Dr. Impossible that talks about all of his past accomplishments and failings and how he's created robot armies and ant armies and how he's been to the fat past and traveled to the future and done this and this and this and this and this. And it's really just a great list of accomplishments that really get you into the core of who this character is very quickly within the first couple of pages of the book. And I find that um, really nice as well. But that is Soon I Will Be Impossible. Hopefully you've read it or maybe this will give you some um, means to read it or check it out from your library. It is by um, Austin Grossman, and it was our book of the month this month. That's it for this week, though. It's certainly a different take from what we've done before, as I mentioned. Next week, we're taking a look at Amazing Spider-Man number 121, featuring the death of Gwen Stacy. And really, I cannot wait to see what everyone thinks of that moment in comic book history. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we'll talk with you later. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Think about a better way If I was hulking green or gray I could just bust through that brick wall Take their comic books away But then the little meat would deal With all the tanks and bombs and guns Have you ever tried to read a series With all that going on Guess I need to rethink this plan How would I back and board my comics With such huge hands Guess I already told ya What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Start raving rich like a man of iron Might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline Would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Be in the Middle East With a gang sign throwing soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah what a major spoiler, wow, 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 what a major spoiler. Major Spoilers Podcast, copyright 2010.